the hymn writer asks, Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Those are the words of the famous hymn by Elisha Hoffman. And the words of that wonderful hymn reminds us that all of us are dirty. All of us. And we need to be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And there's no better passage that communicates this amazing truth about who we are in our natural selves and what the Lord Jesus has come to do to wash us clean than the verses we are looking at this evening in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to verse 45. Now, if you are here this morning, you remember that we saw Jesus take his disciples around the province of Galilee. He's preaching there the kingdom of God and he's casting out demons. This morning we learned that success for Jesus is seeing the kingdom of God advance in power to see the kingdom of God now being shared around. And God wants all true followers of Jesus, we read this morning, to live for the kingdom, to live, to share the kingdom of God with others, to point people to Jesus. So this evening, though, we are picking up where we left off. We are rejoining Jesus there around the towns of Galilee, and he's about to meet a leper. Now, most of you know this uh, story. Uh, It's a famous encounter. But I think as you, we go through Mark, I'm learning to read slowly. I'm learning to, to, to understand just what's going on here. And, I, and as I looked at this, I learned new things. And, and I think this passage has important lessons to teach us about the kingdom of God, to teach us about the mission of Jesus in this world, and also our role in it as followers of Jesus. Look with me at verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. And the first truth I want to share from this passage is that everyone is unclean. We might say everyone is dirty. Everyone is unclean before God. And we see that in verse 40. Now, imagine with me for a minute. Jesus and his disciples are walking in one of the towns in Galilee. Now, they are probably on their way to Capernaum because the work is done uh, in verse 39 and they are walking back perhaps to Capernaum because we know that because chapter 2 verse 1 starts in Capernaum. So they are walking back from this mission field and then suddenly they hear warning bells and then a man shouting, unclean, unclean. What's going on? Well, the man is a leper. And by law, he's required to wear a bell around his neck. Uh, he rings this bell when anyone comes near him within 50 steps. He's meant to shout, unclean, unclean. And so this leper is doing this, but this leper is a bit different we're about to meet because he's coming to see Jesus on purpose. He's not running away from people like he's supposed to. He's actually coming to Jesus. Uh, he knows it is against the law to approach anyone. But he's desperate to see Jesus. He's desperate for his life to be changed. And he has heard Jesus can make him clean. So look at verse 40. And this is what we read. And the leper came to him. 
that is Jesus, imploring him and kneeling and said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Mark is telling us that this man who is approaching Jesus has leprosy. Now, this is very important for us to know this because it's not obvious when you read that in your Bibles. But in the Bible, leprosy actually covers a wider variety of terrible skin diseases. So don't immediately think of Hansen's, is it Hansen's disease? It actually covers other diseases. It's like a group of diseases. And as this leper talks to Jesus, he's, he's covered in one of these terrible diseases. And if we look at him for a minute, we can see that his clothes are torn. And as we look at him and we get closer to him, we can't stand his smell. Because his entire body is covered with festering souls. And as we can look at him more, we see that we can't actually see his face because he's totally covered except for his eyes. As we think about that and living in our century, as we perhaps now imagine him there, we can see that he reminds us one of those zombies, doesn't he, from World War Z. Just looking at this man frightens us. The Jewish historian Josephus, living in the first century, says this. He says, lepers are not different from a corpse. No one wants to get near this man. And this man approaching Jesus uh, actually makes other people afraid of going near him. They are afraid of catching the disease that he has. We can imagine that if this man has a family, he's married, and maybe with children, the children don't want to go near him. They can't hug him because of the disease he has. He can't enjoy his wife's embrace. This man is cut off from society. And under the Old Testament ceremonial law in Leviticus chapter 13 to 14, you can read that when you get home, leprosy there has a special role. The person who has these skin diseases is declared unclean. That's why the man is shouting, unclean, unclean. And because he's been declared unclean by the priest, this man cannot approach the presence of God in the tabernacle or the temple. He must live away from people. Let me just give you an extract from Leviticus 13, verse 45. Uh, You can check there for yourself. Leviticus 13, verse 45 to 46 says this. The leprous person who who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, this is the law of Moses, and let the air of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Verse 46, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be, listen to this, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. You see, people with leprosy are treated as living under God's judgment. That's why they are outside the camp, away from God's people. And this man who's coming to Jesus does not just need healing. No, he needs something more. He needs to be healed in such a way that the priest would then declare him clean. You see, there is no word more terrible to Jews 
than to be caught unclean. And nothing brings more joy to a Jew than to be declared clean. And this is why this leper is risking everything to come to Jesus. Breaking the law as it were. Instead of keeping the 50 pesos, he's willing to come to Jesus. Why? Because he wants his life back. He wants to be restored before God and before everyone else. But you see, being unclean in the scriptures, we need to understand this. Being unclean in the Bible is not in of itself a sin. No, the state of this man here, actually, is a symbol for sin. To be unclean, it's a symbol for sin because it's a, it symbolizes that we, that the, it, it's a symbol that, that prevents a person approaching the symbolic presence of God in the temple. Uh, if you like, leprosy in the Bible is a picture of our human sin. Right? When you look at the person who has leprosy, you should think sin. That's what God wanted them to think. Because you see, like leprosy, sin is deeper than the skin. Like leprosy, sin is contagious. It affects all of us. Like leprosy, your sin defiles your relationship with God and others. Like leprosy, all sin deforms what God has created in his image. So God wants to look at, you, at this leper here. And say, when you read this in your Bibles, God wants you to say, that is me there, in my natural condition. This is the sin in me. I am a naturally born spiritual leper. Whatever your situation, therefore, you need to hear this truth. You need to read now this passage. You need to hear this truth because, you see, sin, as we say, is not only doing bad things. No, sin is anything we put ahead of God is a sin. Anything that takes first place, whenever we put other things ahead of God, we are sinning. Sin is a refusal for God to be number one in our lives. And the truth is that there's no one in this room uh, who can say every moment of your life you put God first? No, even the good blessings God has given you, sometimes they take first place and they become sinful. They are good in of themselves, but you prioritize them and already you put them ahead of God and they are sinful. So that means all of us as we sit here this evening have sinned. In fact, we are born with sin. We might say we are born as spiritual lepers. You are a spiritual leper. And and I know as you think about this, this may offend some of you. You feel insulted. I mean, why is Shola going on like that? I mean, why is he calling me a spiritual leper? What is that about? It makes you feel uncomfortable, isn't it? Because you don't think of yourself in this way. You think of yourself as a good person. You You are not Ian Huntley or or Saddam Hussein. But the Bible says all of us are sinners. We are unclean before God. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, verse 6 to 7. This is what he says, 64, verse 6 to 7. We have all become like the one who is what? Who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are what? Like a polluted garment. 
We are fed like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And then he says this in verse 7. There is no one, listen to this, there is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquity. We are unclean, Isaiah said. We are all born spiritual lepers. But, but as you sit here this evening, you might want to wonder about this. You might ask, what does this matter? Does it matter that we are spiritual lepers by nature? Yes, it does. Because you see, friends, until you recognize this truth, until you recognize in your heart that you are a spiritual leper by nature, you cannot be saved. It doesn't matter where your name is written. If this truth is not basic, it's not on your conscience, you cannot find salvation in Christ. You see, the first thing God does when he makes us his children is to send light into our hearts that reveals the ugliness of our sin. That's the first thing God does. The first, God wants to save a person. The first thing he does, he sends his light that shines so powerfully they see that they need him. They see that they are a spiritual leper. There is a new sense of the uncleanness of our sin. And some of you, when you became believers, you recognized this. You you felt that weight of your sinfulness. And you have gone on to sense your sin. Because, you see, unless we feel that sense of our sin, we cannot run to Jesus. We cannot seek his mercy. And we cannot ask him to clean us of sin. So, 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 So... The first action point, if you like, this evening on this passage is to ask yourself a question this evening. Do you feel the dirtiness of your sin? Do you sense it? (coughs) Do you see yourself like this? That I am unclean before the sight of God. And when you think of your sin, do you weep for it? Do you, you weep over your sin? Be honest with yourself. Because if you have not been broken for your sin, even if now if you're trusting in Jesus and you're not broken over sin in general, it means two things. It means one or two things. It means you have never been, truly been converted. You have never felt your uncleanness. You've never had the moment you genuinely cry out to the Lord. Unclean, unclean. Oh, it may mean that once you did, but over time, the dirtiness of other things have clouded you. They've hardened your heart. You become hardened by sin. And therefore, it means that every moment that passes, you are backsliding in the state of unbelief over time. And if that pattern continues, perhaps continues, 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 continues. You can never fall out of grace, but it means you probably were never converted in the first place. Yes, you said the sinner's prayer, but perhaps you are not really converted. You never truly repented and turned to Jesus. So all of us here, believers, non-believers, seeking, not seeking, we have to ask ourselves, do we sense the sinfulness of our sin? Can we... Say with the leper, Oh Lord, unclean, 
and clean. Because you need to ask yourself that. And if you once felt that weight, but you don't feel it now, then cry out to God to open your eyes to the ugliness of your sin. Because you see, you need to do that because until you see sin for what it is, you cannot appreciate. We could stop here. Because if you don't sense the weight of your sin, you're not going to appreciate what I'm about to say, the, 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 the two-thirds of the same. You're not going to appreciate, first of all, the good news of this passage. The good news of this passage is that Jesus makes us clean. If you don't sense that, you're dirty, that means nothing. No matter what I'm going to say here, it's not going to matter. So the first point here is, everyone is unclean. Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because Jesus can make us clean. That's the good news. Let's rejoin the passage. We see that the leper has come to Jesus. As I said, he's not supposed to be near people, but he's desperate for help. So what would Jesus do now? Let's read on verse 41 again. Verse 41 says, Moved with pity, that is Jesus, he stretched out his hand and touched him. We have to pause the camera there. We have to pause on that verse. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Let, let us freeze it there. What do we see now? We see a man, a leper, covered with sores. And the camera is frozen. We see Jesus there stretching out his hands and touching him. We can see this man is on his knees, so he's been begging for mercy, and Jesus is touching him. We already we recognize that this is not meant to happen. But then we read something else. Mark tells us that Jesus is being moved with pity. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. I want to suggest here, just to tell you that the word pity there is too weak to describe the actual original word. Compassion comes across, really, because compassion literally means his guts are wrenched. What we're seeing here in Jesus is that Jesus is deeply feeling the pain of this man. He's looked at him there in his sinful condition, unclean as he were as a leper, and he's touching, touching him with his uncleanness. He's touching him there. His compassion has moved him to do the unthinkable. To be near a leper is bad enough. To touch the leper means Jesus is sharing the uncleanness. Uh, you, you have to process this because you see, friends, Jesus doesn't have to touch this man. Jesus can, can make this man clean without touching him. But Jesus is touching him. Why is he doing this? He's touching him to communicate something important to the man. Jesus is doing it by choice. He's saying, I am prepared to become what you are by nature. You are unclean and under the law, but I am standing with you now in your uncleanness. Amazingly, Jesus is doing the same thing he did when he was baptized. Do you remember in the baptism we said Jesus was standing in the waters of judgment with us? Now he's touching this man and he's saying, look, I am standing with you in your uncleanness because I want you to be clean before God and before others. We paused it. Let's press pray again. Let's press play and see what happens. Look at verse 41 to verse 42. Moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him. 
Verse 41, and said to him, I will. Jesus says, I will be clean. And verse 42 tells us, and immediately the leprosy, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. For the first time in human history, a man who is unclean touches a man who is a leper. And the effect is the other way around. Everything is reversed. The cleanness of Jesus makes this man clean. Instantly, don't miss that. And immediately, the effect is instant. The cleansing power of Jesus has made this leper clean. And we look at this miracle and we say, wow. But we should also ask, what is this about? I mean, why is Jesus healing this leper? We have to keep asking that question when we're mad because we're asking, why is Jesus doing this thing? As I said, is it just for the Christmas, going around, touching lepers, healing the sick, driving out demons? No. As we've learned already, what Jesus does here is that he's showing us what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus is doing this because what he's doing here is ultimately a miracle that is meant to remind us that Jesus has come to identify with you in your sin. You see, what Jesus is doing here is a picture of what he would do three years later. Oh, Jesus, three years later from now, he walked that road up to Golgotha. He's going to go up that hill and you'll be nailed to that cross of wood. Right there on the cross, he will become, as it were, spiritually unclean for you. He will take on your sin. He will become your sin bearer. He will identify with you in your sin. And he will make you clean by his nailed hands on the cross. Jesus, through those nailed hands, as it were, has now reached out to touch your spiritual leprosy. He's taken on himself your sin by bearing God's punishment. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says this. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You see, just as this leper is being made whole here, he's being made clean by the Lord Jesus all who come to Jesus by faith now are made spiritually clean. You receive lasting spiritual health and peace with God. Restoration with God, vertical restoration, and horizontal restoration as He brings us into the kingdom of God. I mean, this is the amazing, sensational good news of the kingdom of God. No matter how vile your sins are, no matter how, uh, how, 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 how terrible they are, the blood of Jesus can make you clean. Have you come to Jesus and pleaded for his blood shed on the cross to save you? Are you trusting this evening on the grace of God alone for salvation? Well, if you are, then know that you are no longer, you are no longer a spiritual leper. Those nailed hands on the cross have touched you. They have made you clean. And that is your, now your new identity. No longer a spiritual leper, but one made clean by Jesus. If you like, Jesus has now clothed you in garments of righteousness. There is now no condemnation for all who are in Jesus. Jesus, your wonderful Redeemer, has clothed you 
with his own precious blood. You are now in radiant white, dipped in red, so to speak. Safe from eternal punishment of sin, safe from the shame we've carried, we are now home with Jesus, our compassionate Savior. What does this mean for us every day on a Monday? Or what does that mean on a Tuesday or Wednesday in our lives? Well, it means that whatever mess you make on Monday, you don't have to hide from God. No matter how much mess you make by Friday, how low you feel, you don't have to hide from God. You are forever clean before Him. It means that you walk into the office on Tuesday, you don't have to leave for the approval of your colleagues at work. Yes, friends and colleagues, uh, even our neighbors may call us all sorts of names. Stupid, loser, loner, unreliable. But that is not your identity in Jesus. Your identity is this. You have been touched by the healing hands of Jesus on the cross and there is no going back. Grace has found you and grace is here to stay. Because grace is Jesus Christ himself. And this also changes how you live your Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, isn't it? Because it means now your priority is now to live for the one who has made you clean. The Lord Jesus. And that is the final truth we learn in this passage. Interesting enough. The first truth is that everyone is unclean, but the good news of Jesus is that Jesus makes us clean. How then should we live? Well, we must now live for Jesus. That's our third point. We must now live for Jesus every day. Look with me at verse 43 to verse 45. Let's rejoin Jesus. We see here that Jesus, Jesus has just done the miracle. He has healed the leper. And then suddenly, this is unusual. The mood of Jesus shifts dramatically. As I said this morning, you've got to read this with a, slowly with, you know, with, an, with an ear to the text as it were. Let's read verse 43 there. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. I just want to say, this is exactly the same wording that is used for Jesus driving out demons when he sends them away. He's doing a strong charge. This is serious business. Jesus is charging him. And he's driving him away. We should actually read that in the original. Verse verse, Verse 44 says, And said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus is giving this man a very strong warning. It's like nothing we've seen in scripture. One minute is extremely compassionate to him and the one minute is just like serious business. You've got to read the original. It's like that. Like, You've got to do this. Deep, strong warning. And we're wondering to ourselves, what is going on here? It does not sound like the Jesus uh, of Christmas. The Jesus we're used to, isn't it? Stand warnings. But soon it's going to become clear why Jesus is doing this, you see. As soon as the man leaves, it's like he has not heard anything that Jesus has said. Let's read on verse 40. Let's read this on to verse 45. Jesus has warned him, but look what he does. But... He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. We must pause there. We realize that this man is not interested in what Jesus has done to him. 
Uh, he's happy about that and he's allowing, you might say, enthusiasm to take over that is completely disobeying what Jesus has told them. The one who has radically transformed his life, his words no long, doesn't seem to carry weight with him. And as a result of this man's behavior, we see that the ministry of Jesus is now being derailed. Let's read on verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, verse 45, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. And now we can see, if we are walking through the text, we can see now why Jesus warned him. Uh, him being God, he knows what this man was going to do anyway. He did not want this man to speak to anyone because instead of people going to Jesus, you see, to hear him preach, they just want signs and wonders. And Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus' mission is to preach the word, to point people to the cross. Jesus wants, to see, wants people to see his miracles as signs of what life is like in the kingdom. And he wants them to submit to the rule of God. But the crowd is not interested in that. They just want, and we see later, they just want food. They want big miracles. That's what they want. And the saddest part we see here is that this man, who received so much from Jesus, so much from Jesus, failed to obey Jesus. And by his disobedience, is actually preventing the work of Jesus. Jesus is out in the desolate places because of this man. Jesus can't do his work as he wants to do. Because one man, (laughs) cleansed by him, is ruining everything for him. As I thought about this man's action, I thought about many of us. I thought, this man is really recorded here by by Mark, not so much by, by, by Luke or Matthew. By Mark, really, this part of how Jesus wants him. Because Mark wants to remind us, you see, that Jesus making us clean does not absorb from us the responsibility to obey and live for him. That's an important lesson. The grace that saves us is not a license for sin. It's not a license to discard everything that Jesus has said. Because many people in our churches are like this man. They have professed faith in Jesus. But they think they know how to run the kingdom of God better than Jesus. I thought about that my own life. Like, let me just know people out there. I thought about me. I've bowed the knee. I've, I've accepted Christ in my life. And I, I've asked him to run everything. But I still think I know how to do things better. And when the Lord says this, I'm like, oh, are you sure about that? I think it should be this one. I see myself in this man. And many of us are like this man. We have encountered grace, but we think we know better than Jesus. Do you see something of yourself here? You claim to be a follower of Jesus. You attend church, but you know there are many areas of your life where you're refusing to submit to Jesus. And sometimes the way you live is even arming the kingdom. Some of the way the way we live is stopping the advance of God's work. In the church. Some of the way we live is stopping the advance of God's kingdom in our families. Is that you? 
And I think here we are given one direct application. And we're going to end there once we consider this application. Because the application here is about the tang. The problem here is this man's tang. It's how this man speaks. That's how he causes damage here. The words. If he just kept shut, if he just shut his mouth, everything will be fine for the Lord. But he's, he's talking, talking, talking. And many of us, our tongues are out of control. I don't speak charismatic. I'm just saying, the way you speak is out of control. You see, when you speak to people, is your mouth promoting Jesus, or is it like just this man, just mouthing off your agenda? I have to ask myself that. Especially for us who preach. But also for us who are people who look up to us in different areas of our lives. Mothers, when you speak to your children at home, are you mouthing off Jesus' agenda? Or you're just mouthing your own agenda? I mean, how do you act? Do you speak and act towards people who do not know Jesus in your life? People at work, family members, neighbors, colleagues. Are you promoting Jesus and how you relate to them? Or is your speech like this man? Your speech and actions are always demeaning the person and work of Jesus. Because you are interested in people looking at you as a miracle. Oh, look what the Lord has done for me. And you're not pointing others to him. In the right way as he's commanded you. You see, if you have been truly made clean by Jesus, God has done that work through you to promote the advance of the kingdom of God. And I can I plead with you to look at your tongue again. Surrender it to the Lord. Surrender it to the Lord. Come to Jesus this evening. Ask him to, to help you discipline the tongue. So that everything you say is honoring to Christ. Let us have more evang- using our tongues for evangelism than promoting our own agenda. As this man is doing. This man is promoting his own agenda. And let us confess that Lord, we have failed a lot in the use of our time. But you see, if there's no desire for you to confess and repent of how you speak like this man. If you're speaking like this man, this man doesn't seem to have any desire. We just read that he went off and off he went. I'm not even sure whether he went to the temple or not. He just did his own thing. But if you are like this man, you don't seem to have any desire to live for Jesus. And then the problem is obvious. If there's no genuine desire to repent, and we have, as I read this, I'm thinking, did this man really have faith in Jesus? I don't know about you, I have to leave you to investigate this. I mean, are we talking about a man who really, what do we make of him coming to Jesus and did he really know who Jesus is the way he went about? No, he didn't have any respect for Jesus. Many of us might be in this position. We have been enlightened, awakened. We know something of the gospel. But we are refusing to repent and truly surrender to Jesus. And then perhaps it means we are still spiritual lepers. And if that's your case, you need to come urgently before God and ask him to cleanse you from sin and give you a new heart. Only a new heart will do. And this is what God is offering you today through the amazing Jesus. God is reaching out through those nailed hands of our gracious Redeemer. He's saying to you today,
come to me. Stop resisting my life. Repent of your sin. Come and be truly saved. Acknowledge your sin. Plead the mercy of God. And in this very moment, the blood of Jesus will make you totally clean. God will fill you with His Spirit. We asked at the start, didn't we? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Well, may the Lord enable all of us to truly say yes. 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 I have been totally washed by the blood of the Lamb. And I am truly thankful for it. Amen.